Welcome to Gone Too Soon, the podcast where we revisit great TV shows that were canceled before their time. I'm Kyle. And I'm Drew. Kyle, what are we cooking up this episode? Today we'll be talking about Kevin Smith's first, but hopefully not last, foray into animated television, the incredibly short-lived Clerks, the animated series. It premiered on ABC on May 31st, 2000, and was canceled just one week later on June 7th, 2000. Only two episodes ever aired in its original run on ABC. The fourth and second episodes aired in that order. In all, six episodes were produced. The remaining four episodes weren't seen until the DVD release. And later on in the episode, we'll be talking to series co-creator, executive producer, and writer, David Mandel. Let's get to the show. All right. If you haven't seen Clerks the Animated Series yet, you gotta go out and see it. It is available on YouTube which we don't actually condone getting it that way, but it's really hard to find these days. Apparently, the distribution rights are still owned by Miramax, and then Miramax split from ABC and blah, 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 blah. So, like, the rights holder has no interest in redistributing. So, you can get it on Amazon.com through a, their streaming service. Like, it's not through Amazon Prime. You have to purchase it on your computer you can't purchase it through your phone or mobile device but after you purchase it on amazon on your computer you can watch it on your mobile device it's really weird and if you want to buy the dvd it ships within one to two months but once it ships you get your free two-day shipping with amazon prime so it's really hard to find, but if you if you can find it on DVD, there's a lot of great commentaries. I remember getting the DVDs through Netflix back when Netflix delivered you DVDs in the mail. Right. So that's the that's the first place I remember actually seeing the show. Like I remember the promos coming out, but I don't think I ever actually watched it on ABC. Maybe I watched one of the episodes, but then like before I knew it, it was gone. I feel like that's what happened with me. I saw maybe both the episodes they aired and then it just disappeared. And I was like, what was that? What happened? Because <laughs> it was all out of order and everything. So, you know, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. And, and I actually I remember them promoing it pretty decently. Yeah, they did. They, I, I came across a lot of articles that were like. Oh, you know, like it just didn't get a lot of promo, but I, I feel like maybe it was just really targeted promo because I feel like, you know, you and I were the target demo. We were like teens at the time. Yeah. Uh, so like it was really targeted towards us. Yeah. I remember seeing being aware of it and everything. Yeah, I was very much aware of it. They ran like little teasers. And then I actually I, I found out later that they did a teaser not during the Super Bowl, but an hour before the Super Bowl, because the Super Bowl was on ABC that year. Uh, so they were like teasing their their upcoming programming, and an hour before the Super Bowl, there was there was a big promo, and you you got clips from the first episode. Uh, what I would love to find out is were they clips from the first episode that was going to air, or the first episode that was produced. This show is really hard to get information on, though, even more than uh, like just a show that only had one season. It was a show that only had six episodes, six half hour episodes. So it's not like there's a huge amount of stuff to research and learn about the show that's been made public, because I think the show has been largely forgotten, maybe by a lot of people. But it's really because it only has six episodes. Like it'd be one thing if it had like a 20 episode season or something. And you could 
you know, pick it apart more, but it's like, it really just comes down to this small little grouping of, uh, material, but it's good stuff. Like it's, it's an interesting show that had a lot of promise. I think exactly. I think if, if it was in the right hands at the time from a network level, like somebody who really believed in it, then I feel mm-hmm. like it, it could have gone for way, way more episodes. And even in the, the DVD commentary, they, they, Kevin Smith actually gives examples of plot lines that they were considering for future episodes, which were amazing. And I w- wish that they were produced. And I'm sure we're going to get into them later when we talk about what the future of this series should be. Mm-hmm. But so what you were saying before about how there wasn't like a lot of research to be done on this series, like when we were doing our freaks and geeks episode, there are articles and articles from the time and since of people that were like looking back on it and retrospectives and like, what is the cast doing now? This show only really has like the hardcore Kevin Smith fans uh, mm-hmm. and that they really remember it. Like if you mention Clerks, the animated series to anybody else, they're like, wait a second. Clerks had an animated series. That sounds like a dumb idea. <laughs> well, we should probably mention that Paul Dini, who worked on Tiny Toons Adventures and Batman the Animated Series, was involved from the writing angle on this show. Yeah, Paul Dini wrote the uh, the fourth episode of the series, which was the first one that aired. And, and you make a good point. There were a lot of good people that were involved in this. It, and it wasn't so much, this is what I found interesting, it wasn't so much that people that were in the beginning of their careers and have since found fame like was the case with freaks and geeks with all the actors and Judd Apatow and Paul Feig were at the beginning of their careers. Uh, it was, the series was co-developed and co-written most of the episodes by David Mandel, who was a huge writer for SNL. He was a huge writer for Seinfeld and later became a head writer on Curb Your Enthusiasm and is currently the showrunner of Veep, which is a huge show. And even with Kevin Smith, like he was not a nobody at the time. He had made three feature films that were moderately successful. I was about to say hugely successful, but uh, they were, you know, they were kind of cult, but they were successful with our generation, to say the least. Yeah. And you also, you had, you had producers and writers such as Brian Kelly who was also from the SNL world, news radio, he was on The Simpsons, and David Kendall, who was a producer and writer, who was on Growing Pains and Boy Meets World, and he wrote one of my favorite movies, The New Guy. Uh, I think it was written just slightly after uh, The Clerk's Experience, but you gotta go out and see this movie. It's DJ Quails. He goes to jail and gets gets help from Eddie Griffin in jail on how to be cool at high school, and he ends up going to a new high school. Very funny. A lot of clever jokes, just like in this series. So go out and see it, and you'll get a lot of good sense uh, like you get from, from Clerks the Animated Series. It's cool. I'll have to check that out. I never saw The New Guy. I remember that movie, though. I know exactly what you're talking about. You never saw The New Guy? I'll send you my DVD, man. I know, I know you've mentioned it before, but nobody else has. I don't think anyone has ever brought that movie up except you. But I remember that you you like that, so I, I gotta check it out. Yeah, I, you're right. I don't think anybody else even remembers that movie exists. It was like it was, but it was DJ Quails. It was Eliza Dushku. I think slightly after Bring It On came out, so hmm. you know she was pretty big at the time. So yeah. it was. It's one of my favorite movies. I think it was a 2001 release. 
maybe 2002. Everybody go check it out. Yeah, there was, and and to your point about just how many talented people were involved, people that, uh, you know, that, that worked on Seinfeld and stuff, but they also had like really great guest stars on this show where like you had Al Baldwin playing uh, Leonardo Leonardo, who's sort of a very like Hans Gruber-esque villain. Like he's very much a, a parody of Alan Rickman. And, and do you know why he looked like Hans Gruber? Sure, because I, I think they originally were going to have Alan Rickman play the part, but he uh, turned him down or something. Yeah, I think I think they they actually had him attached, but then like there were scheduling conflicts and whatnot. But then they they ended okay. up going with Alec Baldwin. But the because he was in he was in Dogma, so he had a re- already a working relationship with Kevin Smith. Absolutely, and they they were good friends and remain good friends. Uh, apparently, mm-hmm. you know, up until the time Alan Rickman died recently, his untimely passing. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I'll miss that guy. He's he's a really cool actor, and he would have done good at this role. But I'm shocked at how good Alec Baldwin did, or I would have been shocked back in the day, probably more. So Alec Baldwin's like really funny now. He does a lot of comedy things. Yeah, this was pre Thirty Rock. Thirty Rock. Yeah, and, and you know that really. Brought... We were still thinking of him as like a serious movie star at this point. Yes, yeah, so I, I actually don't re- did not remember that it was Alec Baldwin. I think it, even when I was IMDbing it, it was like. Kevin Smith, Alec Baldwin. And I was like, who was Alec Baldwin in this? And then, yeah, as soon as you hear it again, you're like, oh, my God, he did a, such a great job at, like, keeping a little bit of Alec Baldwin in there, but, like, playing that villain character so well. Yeah, he, he was he's a highlight of the show. He also sort of makes you wish they had come up with more original characters like him for the show, because it seems like he and... Like, he's it, really. He's it for the whole, like, expanding of the universe and sort of making it more like The Simpsons and everything. He's sort of your your Burns for the show. You're very right. He's, he's very much a Mr. Burns character. He's a Bond villain. Uh, and, yeah. and you get a little bit from his his uh, publicist sidekick, the, the, the odd job. Who turns out to be a robot. Who turns out to be a robot. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Style. I love that bit. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, spoilers. Sorry. But yeah, like you're you're very right about that. In that, maybe one thing that that kept a lot of people from getting really like invested in this show that maybe weren't huge Kevin Smith fans was the fact that you really got you got Dante, Randall, you got Jay and Bob, and then the only new character really Leonardo, Leonardo, and to a very much lesser extent Lando. When he starts showing yeah. up, but, uh, right. but, but you're right. Like it's, there was so much opportunity for an expansion of the universe and making Leonardo, New Jersey into the new Springfield, but they, they never really got that chance. It's not even that they didn't get a chance, but I feel like they missed the opportunity because the view is universe, right? That's what it's called. Correct. Is, is big. It is its own continuity, its own mythos and everything. And you have all these other characters from Mallrats and Dogma and chasing Amy even, and you're like, if they all could have lived in Leonardo and we could have had even more personality to the show, it's, I I feel like that's maybe a missed opportunity, but I also feel like those characters would have shown up in this show at some point, because it's, it's too, it's too juicy to uh, avoid, like, how could you avoid using, you know, characters from those other movies in, in the cartoon show? I just don't know why they didn't do it right from the beginning. They bring back Caitlin Bree, Quite a bit in name only. You see her a little bit, uh, but I don't believe she ever talks. They probably couldn't get the voice actress uh, to mm. come back, and I'm sure they didn't want to like 
replace her voice with somebody else. But that's it. And then, like, they talk about her again in the in the last episode of the season, spoiler alert, uh, where they're, it's, it's very actually centered on Caitlin Bree, where they're trying to get back to, hey, it should be more like the movie. You know, they it gets, they talk about her a lot and how she's, like, going around and, like, kissing all the guys. Right. But that, that, that you're right. That's the only connection you get to this, this very rich viewist universe where three out of the four movies up to this point, like to a lesser extent, Dogma, but Clerks, Mallrats, and Chasing Amy all happened around kind of the same timeline where Julie Dwyer was the girl whose funeral they went to in Clerks. And they talk about right, how right. she like, she had an embolism pop in her brain. And then that's right. how Mallrats starts is they can't go to Universal because Julie Dwyer just died. And now uh, she has to be on her dad's dating show. And then uh, in Chasing Amy, I don't think that happens in exactly the same timeline, but they, they mention people. Uh, I think even they mentioned Julie Dwyer again in Chasing Amy. It's been a while since <clears throat> I've seen all the movies, but I've seen them so many times. I've got most of them memorized. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. It, w- it was a very missed opportunity to expand on that viewist universe world. But again, if they had more than six episodes, maybe they could have done it. But they still got plenty of other like like there's the Al Franken character who's the mayor McCheese. You're like, that could have gone somewhere cool. Uh, a mayor with a cheeseburger for a head is really original and kind of funny. Uh, and then you have. I think you might have missed the joke there, Kyle. Mayor McCheese is uh, is a McDonald's character. Well, well then, so you can't do it? <laughs> no, so, so like the, the joke there was that the mayor uh, was going to a costume contest and he was dressed uh, as Mayor McCheese from McDonald's. Uh, I didn't catch that. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing. It's like there's so many pop culture references. Good segue, Kyle. There's so many <laughs> pop culture references in here that like you might not get all of them. And, like, yeah. it's kind of fun like, going through and being like, that seems like it was a pop culture reference. And you can even pause the show and go, like, Google it. And, like, you can pretty easily find, like, all these things that you didn't really realize were references to movies or other pop culture stuff. Like, you can really tell that Kevin Smith and David Mandel and probably all the other writers are very much students of both television and movies, but also just pop culture in general. There are so, so many movie references, like to specific movies and specific movie plot lines that they that they parody in here. Yeah. But also, uh, you know, just general television tropes that they that they make fun of and are very tongue in cheek about. And I think that's what one of the unsung things about this series is that, you know, like if you're a lover of television in general and of movies, even if you're not a fan of Kevin Smith per se, you can find hilarious and funny things that you enjoy in this series because they make so many references to those things that you like that are outside of the Kevin Smith world. And it's, that's true, but it's also something that I feel like can alienate certain audience members and stuff. Because, like, I know who Judge Reinhold is, but if you don't, there's a huge portion of that episode that he's involved with that you're like, what's the big deal? Why do they keep cutting back to this character and stuff? And it's a similar thing with the the episode with James Woods where they're, like, parroting the Outbreak storyline. And you're like, Outbreak is a movie from the 90s that nobody except 
me and like five other people even remember <laughs> it's just this like really weak like adult sci-fi thriller and everything with uh, dustin hoffman and and a monkey and cuba gooding jr and it's just it's just, it's just this movie that that nobody uh remembers and now you have a whole episode that's like sort of parodying it there are certain steps like that where i'm like it's not really a misstep it's just something where it's like a missed opportunity because I keep comparing this to like Family Guy when it when you, when you talk about all the references and everything it has. Whereas like Family Guy does stuff like that where there's like a universal sort of plot line that they're following, and then the references seem to sort of dance around that plot line, and it's all very like organized. Whereas like this is more, I like this show, but compared to something like Family Guy, it's more clustered. You know, you make a, a really good point, like. I was pointing out the positive aspects of this. Like you can, you can get into this world, even if you're not a Kevin Smith fan. And I think that a lot of people who weren't Kevin Smith fans were like, Oh, I'm not going to watch this. But I think if they had, they would have found something that they enjoyed, but you're very right. The flip side to that is it's incredibly niche. Like it it plays to fanboys, and of which we are too. So yeah, it was very much playing right to us, but somebody who is not a fanboy and is not a pop culture aficionado and is not seeing all these references. I mean, there are so many references to star Wars in all six episodes. Like, yeah, which to be clear is, is a more common thing now. It doesn't seem so bizarre now, but when this came out, when this came out, the internet thing had not kicked off. And literally the only people who would have been able to understand jokes in this show were, were like total losers. <laughs> it was not a popular thing to be knowledgeable what are you about. To say there, Kyle. I mean, it's just how it was. I mean, when we were when we were kids, this was not. It was not popular to know a lot of stuff about all, like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or anything like that. But now it's like it is a very lucrative thing, even for a lot of people. And you know, that's fine. It is what it is. But this was. Just a pre-internet show that belongs post-internet. Like if it came out now, people would be more into it, I think, because it is that hectic sort of frantic referencing of pop culture things that uh, people enjoy more now and understand more now because they know they can like Wikipedia things or learn things, I guess, from it. Uh, but back then it was just kind of like that all that hadn't started yet, like – like Kevin is so uh, active on the internet and everything now, and he even himself once said that uh, if the internet was going strong the way it is now, when he was a kid, he never even would have made Clerks. He would have just gone straight to the internet and started doing internet stuff, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah, and it was it was the beginning of all that. He was one of the he was one of the sparks that lit the fire of geek culture. He was one of the thing people who like made it cool to be knowledgeable about star Wars or something and to talk about stuff like that. Cause his characters, you know, they made that seem cool and everything. Like they just made it seem like, yeah, they're smart for knowing that stuff. They're not geeks in a negative context for knowing that stuff. But that's why I think this show sort of collapsed in on itself was because it was just ahead of its time, maybe a little bit too much and didn't cater enough to the audience of the time it came out. Absolutely. And, and, we're talking a little bit about the same stuff that we're talking about with Freaks and Geeks here in terms of ratings and networks and the time uh, that it came out. And, you know, maybe this was to our detriment that we chose two TV series right in a row that came out right around the same time. But it makes it a little easier to talk about ratings. 
you know, like this was this is again the time where like NBC had their their big hits and they were pulling in 40 million viewers a week and Clerks on its first episode pulled in about 5 million viewers which not bad totally not bad mm. and even right now would be again a hit if 5 million people were to watch your show you'd get renewed forever and ever but mm. in 2000 5 million was pretty literally nothing and then its second episode got about 2.5 million so it dropped off half of its viewers uh, from first episode to second episode so you know that was just death sentence right there which probably wouldn't happen if they had aired the first episode first you can almost tell that somebody at abc wanted this to die mm. we will get into this in the episode by episode mm. but i feel like the fourth episode is probably the weakest episode of all six of them and i think that somebody at abc realized that and they put that one first and then the second episode that they aired was the second episode that was produced but the entire joke with episode two was that it was a flashback episode so that was you know kind of going back to the the tv tropes that we were talking about it was playing on the tv tropes of the flashback episode and even the bottle episode because they they get stuck inside the uh the freezer at, at the convenience store and they flash back to their old episodes. But in the order that they were produced, they had only produced one episode and it was the first episode. So they were flashing back to an episode that had never aired. So the joke was just gone. So like if somebody yeah. was watching that at home, they're like, I don't get this. Like, why are they flashing back to this episode and these events that I don't remember seeing last week. So there was probably just a lot of confusion and people turned off and then it just died. And it's like you say, like someone knew that because I remember on the commentary, I think I remember Kevin talking about how they brought this exact thing up to the studio that like, look, you can't do this flashback episode when when they haven't seen any of the things that any of the episodes that's flashing to. And they just didn't care. Like, it just didn't, they didn't think it was going to be a big deal. Or like you say, someone just hated this, this show and wanted it to die. But I think it's got a similar thing with Freaks and Geeks where it sort of romanticizes being, for lack of a better word, I guess, a loser. And people at studios and everything, don't. I don't think they like stuff like that. I don't think they like the idea of romanticizing being a slacker or something like that. Because they're all people who, I don't know. They, they're square, they have a stick up their ass or something, but they don't like the idea of that. And I think they, they try and torpedo things like that. Well, I, I, I would maybe agree, but also disagree a little bit because like the mid 90s was like the slacker generation. And I think that's why the original Clerks was such a big hit. Was yeah. it, it was right there in in the era of Generation X kids at home like doing nothing but that was the mid 90s and this was then this came out in 99 2000 where we were kind of transitioning into maybe being a little more industrious being a little more internet savvy being a little more technological and there wasn't as much of an appetite for losers and geeks and all that kind of stuff so we were we were transitioning into the the teeny bop era and and the slacker grunge era was a bygone thing so you know like yeah. clerks was a movie of its time and this was six years later and 
that time had already passed. We should probably mention the cartoon design by uh, the guy who would later do Kim Possible for Disney, Stephen Silver. He designed the characters with this really, he has like a stylistic thing where he does a really thick line around the outside of them that like changes as they change angles. And it's cool. It's a cool to watch the line change. And just like the general design of the characters, especially I would say Jay uh, specifically, because he's got the, you know these cool like puppy dog eyes and he just looks like Bugs Bunny or something. He looks like a really classic cartoon character, the way they drew him. And uh, every time he comes on screen, I'm just like, whoa, that's amazing looking. Yeah, it's almost almost the animation is a reference to classic animation as well. Like it's it's classic in a Looney Tunes way, like you were saying, but with yeah. like a kind of a new modern twist to it. So, yeah, like everything within this just references old TV, old movies, things that you might not even be thinking about consciously. And, and I think that's what really hit home for me a lot it, it's it's just an homage to television and movies and pop culture and that was right up my alley yeah it's good stuff i mean it's not a perfect creation they could have done so much more with uh, i think the visual palettes and the scale and everything but the designs are really cool the actual designs of the characters is very watchable and repeatable yeah it's a, it's a little more classic and you could almost tell that like animation was making sort of a resurgence and maybe ABC was looking for their chunk of that pie. Uh, and this this was a, a good palatable thing for ABC. Like ABC doesn't usually take a lot of chances because they're they're the Disney company. Uh, yeah. So like it, it was palatable, but a little more uh, in terms of visual style, like maybe a little forward thinking, but but still had that, that classic look. So it was very palatable for ABC. But what wasn't palatable for ABC was some of the content. And I think yeah. that, you know, that was definitely another thing for its downfall. Uh, it was a little edgier. There was a, uh, a mention in episode two, they did, they did a cut scene uh, called Flintstones list. And uh, it was, it was Randall and he, he was making a, uh, a reference to a movie that they had at the video store and it was Flintstones list. And then they very family guy style did a cutscene to that. And ABC thought that that was in poor taste because Schindler's list, obviously about the Holocaust, they actually cut that scene when it aired. So there was like, mm. there was censorship issues involved here. And there was even uh, with, in terms of censorship, uh, ABC wouldn't let Jay and Bob be drug dealers. Uh, you can see that in the first episode where the quicker stop comes in across the street, they're uh, selling fireworks to kids. It's like, right. you guys want to buy some fireworks? So <laughs> ABC made them change Jay and Bob from drug dealers to fireworks dealers. Uh, so that, that was really interesting. But, you know, maybe ABC was instrumental in getting a lot of these guest stars that uh, that appeared in these episodes. I mean, there were a lot of guest stars. Yeah, they had uh, Gilbert Gottfried on there playing uh, Patrick Swayze at one point, which was really funny. Yeah, and he also played Seinfeld and he did one line. 
And it was, was really like just kind of like a weird meta thing where it's Gilbert Godfrey doing Seinfeld. It was very weird. And but I remember it sounding pretty good. Like it didn't it didn't sound like Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. Like or you, did you, it. you really had to. I, I got I got this weird vibe from it. I was like, was that Gilbert Godfrey? And then huh. when he was Patrick Swayze in the next episode, I was like, oh, OK, if they got him for this episode, that must have been Gilbert Godfrey. And I went okay, back and looked yeah. it up and I was like, yes, it was Gilbert Godfrey. And see, I didn't even pick up on that one. I thought he did a pretty good Seinfeld because I didn't even pick up on that was him. I just assumed he couldn't do another voice. But, you know, his, that's not really his his voice, though. His his signature voice is not even his real voice. That's a voice he does. I heard some audio from a, from a Howard Stern episode where Gilbert had called in to the Howard Stern show the day before and was like just verifying the details and had left the voicemail. And they played that voicemail because it was just like, Ah, uh, hi. Yeah, it's uh, it's Gilbert Gottfried. I'm just uh, calling to verify the details for tomorrow, and it was just sounded just like that, just like me, a regular guy, like just talking. It was very mind blowing. Yeah, it helped having uh, Judge Reinhold and and Alec Baldwin come in, and yeah, Brian Cranston doing stuff. He's always doing uh, vocals. Charles Barkley shows up in the in the series as well. So all those things. Yeah, and Charles Charles Barkley is in every episode, and I really want to. See if I can find the story behind that. He's in literally every episode, and he plays himself. And then later on, there's Grant Hill and Reggie Miller and a couple of other NBA guys that yeah. do their own voices. So, like, I'm sure Charles Barkley was like, oh, hey, I'm doing this this fun thing with Kevin Smith. You guys should come down. That was, yeah. my, that was my Charles <laughs> Barkley impression. That was a good impression. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that, that was a very, in- very interesting, fun, like, meta thing that, like, you know, Charles Barkley is in every episode and he just plays himself and he's in Leonardo, Leonardo. Yeah. And we'll get more into that when we uh, go into the episode by episode deep dive. But do you want to talk a little bit about Clerks, the actual movie before we move into that and just discuss your feelings about the Clerks movie? Absolutely. Like Clerks for me was a pretty, pretty defining movie. I actually got into the Kevin Smith world via Mallrats. Uh, I think I was a, I was quite young when Clerks itself came out. I would I would I guess I would have been eight. So that was definitely not something that I would was rushing out to the theaters to see. But yeah. uh, you know, like kind of when I was getting into my my adolescent time uh, was right around when Mallrats came out. I remember getting it on. DVD, I was 12, probably at the time, and Mm -hmm. uh, I had to beg and convince my mom to let me get an R-rated movie from the video store. I was like, come on, like, all my friends are watching it, they say it's the most hilarious movie, it's like, there's so much funny stuff in it, so like, I got it. I remember watching it on like a Saturday afternoon, and our our house had a, uh, there was an upstairs and a downstairs, and the upstairs was a little bit open to the downstairs. So my mom was upstairs watching TV or reading a book or whatever, and I was downstairs watching Mallrats. And it was funny and hilarious, but I'm not really like a laugh out loud kind of guy. And I remember about halfway through my mom saying, I don't hear a lot of laughing coming from down there. Well, it's also it's very dense. So it's kind of a thing where like if you laugh out loud during a Kevin Smith movie, you might miss five other jokes that come afterwards. That is very true. The hits keep coming. Yeah. So then I, you know, I, I got I loved the movie. 
And then I think it was a little bit later that I got Clerks and watched that and loved that. So, like, I, I own every Kevin Smith movie on DVD. And your story sort of sets up my story for that because you showed me Clerks. That's the first time I encountered it was watching Clerks in your room when I was, whatever, in middle school. Or Is that true? Did I show you Clerks? You did. You were the first person to show me that. I remember sitting, you were, like, up on your, like, bunk bed and I was, like, down on your floor. And then you had, like, this little television in your room. And we were just sitting there watching it. And I remember, I, I literally remember what I was thinking while I was watching it, which is that it was like an hour in or something like that. And I was like, I can't believe I like this movie as much as I like this movie. I never liked a movie because of the way it was written before. That was like one of the first times that, uh, well, I don't know if I can really say that, but the dialogue is just so juicy. You were always big into action and special effects, and I always remember right. you saying, like, oh, have you seen this movie? It has, like, the best CGI, and it's, like, right. a lot of action. So, like, yeah, exactly. I, I can see how, like, this movie has, like, literally just dialogue-driven movie. It's almost like watching a play. Yeah. Because, like, it has, there, there's no, it has no scope. There's no scope. Yeah. It, it's as if... The quick stop is the stage and you're the camera is the audience and you're just you're just there watching two people interact. And you could sit there and listen to it all day. So I could see yeah. how that wasn't really like your cup of tea at the time and that I'm glad I was the one that, that turned you on to that. I didn't actually realize that until now. Yeah, because it was just like you said, it had it didn't have any of the things that I usually went in for. But I love the way he writes. That was, you know, I don't know if I had seen Quentin Tarantino before that i want to say i didn't i want to say clerks is still like my first encounter with someone who was that good with words other than like shakespeare or something like that i've done shakespeare plays and stuff like that but it's <laughs> comparing like, quentin tarantino and kevin smith to shakespeare it's yes because it's a similar talent it's it's not that easy to just be able to like weave sentences like that forever and create material that's that dense it's easier to structure a story and have all your pieces move along a plot line and come to a conclusion and have all the relevant exposition, but to have characters that are so full of life and depth and psychology, like in clerks, every character is so different and they feel different on the page. They talk different. They speak in different rhythms. They make different kinds of jokes and references. They feel like characters that are uh, completely like separate people that are engaging in this like chess game of words that can actually be seen as a criticism of the animated series because people that were tuning into clerks to get a continuation of clerks the film got something totally different the world of animation opened up so many more avenues that they that they really explored really hard and fast over the first few episodes, and they even reference in, in the last episode, they do like a, a fake Q&A session in the beginning that was like, hey, why, why can't you get back more to the way the, the movie was? That's why we tuned into this show. And uh, then they do an entire episode where it's just Dante and Randall at the quick stop behind the counter. All the crazy cartoon action happens off camera, and then it's it's more like the movie. And, yeah, we'll get more into this later, but I kind of didn't enjoy that so much. Like, I, I feel like Clerks was a good... Clerks the film was a good jumping-off point, but that this was something totally different that I really dug, uh, and I wish that people were a little more open-minded to what Clerks the animated series could be rather than getting fixated on, I liked Clerks the movie, this is not Clerks the movie, I'm mad. Right, it didn't feel like it It had a lot of support 
support from the outside. Like, I wish people had championed it more and helped usher it along or shepherd it along its journey more. It seemed like it had opposition. It had people messing it up. It had people uh, not getting what it was trying to do. When you when you when you say people were like, "Well, why wasn't it more like the movie?" It's like, well, it's really not trying to do that because the movie was the way it was because of the limitations they had, and you know they did what they could, and the the opportunity and animation for sort of limitless visual humor and all of this is too good to pass up. And so, Clark's the television show has to adapt and and utilize in this very different medium like in clerks you have actors who can deliver all the dialogue and change their facial expressions and so the fact that the camera is just sitting there looking at them is and not moving or changing or anything is not so big of a deal because you have the actors and performers there doing you know performances and moving around and but on an animated series it's like you just have the designs and their faces are moving and everything and we can't just keep the camera there on them for the whole time like we could in the movie or whatever because eventually it'll get old you know and people want to see some some cool thing some some big giant death beam that Leonardo Leonardo creates or something. They want to, it's a cartoon. They want to see big fun cartoony stuff. And so I think the show struggled with its identity a little bit, wanting to be the entertaining animated cartoon show and wanting to be loyal to the Clerks movie or just respectful to the Clerks movie and the feel of the movie. And its identity, its its proper identity, I think, was somewhere in between there. And I just wish that maybe in the pre-production phase of the television show, they had just worked out all the kinks a lot more so that by the time they got to the writing of the show, we could have had it already. It seems like every episode kind of gets closer to being what the show should actually be without actually legitimately getting there. You make a lot of good points there where this show was using its medium of being an animated series to its advantage. Uh, but I think that is interestingly in contrast to points that you made earlier about how you wish that they had explored the Askewniverse a little bit more and brought in more of those characters and essentially made it more like the film. So, like, even in your analysis and criticism of the show, you are struggling with its identity, where you you enjoyed the cartoony aspects of it and the zaniness of it, but you also wanted it to be more like Clerks the film. And I think that's, that's the ultimate... Uh, I wouldn't even want to say criticism of the show, but, like, maybe just a fault of the show. It's a paradox. It is a paradox, where it... it <laughs> It, you it want it had, to be both things at the same time, and it can't. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, like that's that's exactly it. And I think that that fact that it never really found its identity, coupled with somebody at the network that obviously wanted this show to die and its low ratings, contributed to us never seeing any more of Clerks the Animated Series after the year two thousand. So it's a, it's a really unfortunate fact. It, it had a lot of potential, and I really wanted to see where it was going. But unfortunately, these six episodes are all we're going to get. I think that's a, that's a good way to wrap it up. And I think this is going to be probably one of our, our easiest wrap-ups right here at the end. Uh, you know, at the end of every episode, we're always going to ask ourselves the same question. is Does this show deserve a second season, a reboot, a movie... Or should we just let it lie and let it exist as it's one or two seasons? 
Uh, and Kyle, why don't you you field this question first? But I think it's a, a pretty easy one. I think I haven't thought about it much before this exact moment here, but it, it is pretty obvious to what I would want, I think, which is to uh, I wouldn't want a ne- I wouldn't want a second season per se. You know, I, I do like all the designs and everything, but I feel like a reboot that includes the rest of the VSQ universe and try and build a television show that's that's a bigger television show uh, out of the ashes of this one uh, is what I would like to see. So I would like to see a reboot of of Clerks, the television show, but really turn it into the Viewersk Universe television show based around the Clerks characters and around the Quick Stop. But we also get to have Dogma characters and Mallrats characters and all those people get to get intermingled too and just build out the world and create more characters dovetailing off those characters and just create a make Leonardo, New Jersey, a, a, a big place full of tons of characters that can help our story be interesting and eclectic without completely going off the rails and having to bring in like Charles Barkley in order to fill out the cast, you know, but actually use original characters from our universe to help fill it out. But that's what I would say. A reboot of Clerks in a much grander way is what I would want. I think that's a very interesting response. I I thought when I said that it was going to be easy, I really thought that uh, we were both going to say that it just deserved a second season. I I don't know that it really feels uh, like it needs a reboot, uh, because a reboot would suggest that we're throwing out these six episodes and kind of starting from scratch. Uh, I think that there was very much a language that was working on being built, and maybe it just needed a little more time to simmer and ruminate and like really find itself. So I think this uh, this really deserved a second season, uh, maybe twelve episodes, and could and this I feel like we're in a really unique place where because it's an animated show, it and it's. 18 years later, it still could get a second season and we could just pick up where we left off. So I feel like based on that unique opportunity and like the, the little bit of world building that did happen in these six episodes, we could just build off of that and go from there uh, and just dovetail that right into a second season. Yeah. It'd be good if like Netflix was able to put these six episodes on Netflix and then based on how much viewership it gets, maybe they might have an interest in commissioning a second season of the show. So that that could all transpire. Who knows? Yeah, let's uh, hope that based on, on our podcast that uh, that happens. Yeah. Uh, and right now we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have our interview with David Mandel. Gone Too Soon is brought to you by the good people at Lanyap Wine Tours. Planning a trip to the Napa Valley region can be daunting. With over 400 wineries, each offering different levels of price and service. Let Lanyap take the guesswork out by offering you a customized tour of small wineries where you will receive personalized attention you won't get anywhere else. In New Orleans, Lanyap means a little something extra. And that's what you'll get with their tours. Access to places the general public doesn't usually get to see. And now, for a limited time, if you use our special offer code, Gone Too Soon. You'll get 10% off your first tour booked with Lanyap. So whether you've already booked your plane tickets or are just thinking about it, go to Lanyap Wine Tours and enter our code GONETOOSOON at checkout. That's L-A-G-N-I-A-P-P-E WineTours.com. 
And now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to Gone Too Soon. Now on the line, we have series co-creator David Mandel. David, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. I'm so happy to have been gone too soon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first, could you take us back to your Clerks origin story? Like, how did you get linked up with Kevin, and and how did the show begin to to develop? Um, It was funny. Uh, I I mean, I was a fan of Kevin's stuff. I mean, I can remember seeing clerks and it was uh it was quite revelatory and I, I just really loved his stuff and was just a fan um and you know we kind of definitely i knew you know i knew from what i knew of him and obviously this was pre-twitter and all this kind of stuff but he was you know he was uh he was still sort of a you know he was a you know he's a personality i guess and i knew he was into comics and star wars and a lot of the same things i was into um and I definitely always wanted to meet him. And there was one moment where I almost, we, we, we shared an agent, which is a very Hollywood, you know, sort of story. And they were like, do you want to meet him? Do you want to meet him? And I was like, I don't really want to meet someone unless I have a reason to meet them. I don't like the idea of like, just let's just meet. Um, as it turned out, though, um, sort of in a sort of a boom, boom sort of situation, the clerks thing sort of came about the idea that he was looking to meet with a TV person. And he was a fan of my, some of my stuff. I obviously was a fan of his. And then we had a friend in common, which was, uh, Paul Dini, who was one of the, uh, co-creators of the Batman animated stuff. And as probably people know, Kevin's, uh, daughter Harley is named after Harley Quinn, which was created by Paul Dini, the character. Um, so we finally actually managed to sort of meet up and it was, you know, it was very love at first sighty. And, you know, we just, we, we definitely, you know, we were two East coast guys to, you know, dare I say, just sort of, you know, heavy guys that read comic books <laughs> and watched the movies. And, and it was funny, even our sort of like obscure comics were the same, you know, we just, we liked the same weird runs of things and stuff. And so we, we just really sort of, uh, hit it off as well as along with, uh, Scott Mosier, uh, Scott, uh, who's Kevin's longtime producer. We just really kind of hit it off and sort of, sort of felt like, well, we could try doing something. And we talked a lot about, you know, what what makes The Simpsons so good and what we could do with Clerks to sort of, you know, it both differentiate it from the other animated shows that were on at the time, but also, you know, we were definitely wrestling with the concept of how do you take this sort of, you know, beautifully, wonderfully sort of foul-mouthed, R-rated indie comedy and, you know, turn it into sort of mainstream, you know, I guess, and I don't mean mainstream, that it it wasn't mainstream, but I mean like sort of network entertainment. And that's the other thing is people sort of need to remember this is pre-internet, pre-Hulu, pre-Netflix, you know, pre-all the places where probably in retrospect, if we had been, this is an example, everyone's always like, you know, you know, you know, you know, the early bird catches the worm or whatever. If we'd been like, Five or six years later with Clerks, the animated series, we probably would have been much better off. There would have been a lot more interesting homes for it and places where it probably would have survived. I think that would be true because I think, you know, HBO, they were people who were like, hey, where's where's all the dick jokes? Where's all the cursing and everything? Yeah. And by the way, it wasn't it's not that we sat around thinking we have to curse or how come we're not cursing. But I do think it could have been closer in feel to the movies. But I just mean for what it was, which, you know, uh, and by the way, I'll go to my grave. I'm proud as hell of, you know, all of those episodes. And I think there's really, I don't, I don't want to get all sort of snobby. I think there's really interesting and 
a lot of, I don't know, I don't know what to call it, advanced comedy and jokes that I had never seen that I'm really f***ing proud of and jokes that I feel like have been sort of, I don't want to say stolen, but, you know, other people have done after us, but we were the first. And so I'm really proud of it. But it was a weird show to have been on, if you, you know, in, in full retrospect, it was just a weird show that probably was never going to survive, you know, where it was. You know what I mean? It just, uh, it was just not, it was just not built for, you know, prime time in that way. And that was, you know, a little bit of our mistake. And there's other shows and stories. I don't, I don't necessarily want to liken ourselves too much to specifically, but you know, the, you know, these great funny shows like, uh, you know, like the Dana Carvey show. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously it's a, that's a different thing, but I do think, you know, weird, interesting comedy was just never going to work at 8.30 or whatever time we were on. Do you know what I mean? On ABC. Yeah. That was part of the problem. Absolutely. Was there anything that working on Clerks taught you about the uh, entertainment industry or life that you would like to share? Um, boy, uh, you know, it, it definitely, I, I don't know if it, I don't know if it taught me anything. I guess maybe it confirmed my worst fears. Um, <laughs> well, it's like a worst case scenario for, for all of those fears of studio interference and stuff. Cause there are a lot of things about the show well, where like people seem to want it to the, fail. Here's the funny thing is on a, on a day by day sort of, I guess, hour by hour basis for the most part, I guess maybe to their credit, although I don't like giving them credit for anything, they didn't particularly interfere with us. Meaning I've had experiences where I've been around other shows where they were sort of where the network is sort of, you know, sitting on top of every joke and going, Oh, I don't like this kind of joke. Or I don't like, I don't think we don't think that's funny or I don't like our guy or whatever. And I don't know whether it was this weird mix of, they had no idea what, how the animation worked or whatever, but even though we did table reads, there were not, and maybe, and by the way, and some of it, I also think was, you know, Kevin's star power, you know, the, the notion of the movie guy at the time sort of deigning to work in television, which now, again, seems very commonplace, but back then was, was considered sort of a demotion in a weird way. So it was, you know, it was like he was a rare flower. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, the movie guy. Um, and so they left us alone other than standards and practices, which obviously we sort of battled a lot with, which sucked. Even, again, not about language, but just like content and mentioning celebrities and all sorts of things that they just constantly fought us on, which was you know frustrating. But there wasn't a lot of like story or joke criticism from the network, which is to their credit. However, I think in a way, almost sort of proving my point that they didn't really understand the scripts or pay attention to them when they did come back animated and they were able to finally sort of see what the heck we'd done. They instantly actually hated it. I think, I mean, no one ever said that, but I think we can kind of read between the lines. So I don't know if it was sort of benign neglect or just lack of stupidity or lack of understanding, but they, so they didn't really interfere. However, they just sold us down the river. I mean, basically, you know, they went from sort of promising us the moon and, you know, as everyone is sort of, you know, has been pretty well documented, you know, advertisements in TV Guide and, you know, Super Bowl promo ad and whatever to, you know, we they moved us to, you know, June on a Tuesday of like, I don't know, I don't remember exactly Memorial Day weekend, but like, you know, it was like a Tuesday, June at, you know, 
8:30 p.m., which is not exactly a, you know a, a thrilling launch. And they let t- they aired two episodes, and then they shit canned us. And you know, it just even and even the news of them telling us it was sort of being canceled and moved. I think I ended up reading, you know, in variety. Like they didn't even have the courage to sort of say it to our face. So I, it wasn't so much that they interfered as much as. I don't think they ever really understood what they got, and they certainly didn't really want it once they realized what it was, and quite honestly, just didn't understand it. And uh, you know, you know, and and so uh, you know, slightly a, a different perhaps story than the typical like they wouldn't let us do that, or they did, you know, they made us change something. They didn't. We, I guess, I guess you could argue they gave us enough rope to hang ourselves. We made, <laughs> for the most part, we made the shows we wanted to. They just had no interest in them once they realized what they were. <laughs> uh, at the time, there were some stories about how, like, UPN was interested, maybe a couple of other networks were interested. Yeah, but... UPN was sort of the road not taken. And again, you know, this, I guess it, you know, it was the closest place to maybe what might have been a safe harbor. Um, you know, it was just, uh, it was, uh, you know, again, our, you know, our naivete a little bit. But also, I will say, at the time, we were very much encouraged by, you know, the various, you know, various producers and whatnot. Um, you know, at the time it was, uh, it was through Miramax television, um, uh, Harvey Weinstein. I don't know whatever happened to that guy. Um, and I'm sure uh, he's doing something yeah, now. Yeah, no, I'm sure he's doing great things. Um, and, uh, he, uh, you know, they definitely, they were in business with Disney and, they were definitely sort of encouraging us that, you know, ABC was the right place and to sort of, you know, hit a home run. And, you know, it was seductive. And we sort of, you know, again, we made the decision, but we definitely, so I, you know, I can't blame, I can't say they forced us, but we were seduced a little bit. We, you know, I think for a minute or two, we somehow maybe thought we were doing this other, I don't know, I guess in retrospect, more mainstream show. And I can't tell you that it would have been a giant hit on the UPN, but we might have at least gotten a couple of seasons out of the UPN. And again, I think where it probably really belonged was, you know, IFC or some place, you know, or AMC or FX or one of these places that, you know, didn't exist back then. Someone who would have been supportive or encouraging, because it didn't seem like you got much encouragement from from No, I mean, certainly so. I mean, at best, we were left alone, and at worst, we were sort of betrayed. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, you know, you look at modern shows today, like, you know, things like BoJack Horseman, and you just sort of have to applaud the people making it. You know what I mean? Not just the creators of BoJack Horseman, but also you know, the people airing it. I mean, that's that's what we needed and didn't get, I guess. Well, what were some of the ideas you'd hope to see happen in the show, but you never got the chance to do because of its cancellation? Were there any big ideas that you were like, oh man, I can't wait until we get yeah, to do something were, like that? There were definitely, you know, I don't know if it was the next season or sort of, you know, again, I, I can't remember specifically to say to you like, oh, these were definitely for the next season. They were definitely ideas we sort of didn't quite get to slash next season slash at one point or another uh, Kevin and I even talked a little bit about some trying to make it a, an animated movie or something. Oh yeah, and uh, and you know, and none of these things sort of ever went anywhere. Uh, ultimately, it was such a good-looking show, though. I mean, you you could easily see those things happening eventually, or like just yeah, see I mean, more the, of the, the show. Talent- know i mean i was about to say the town behind the camera although i guess technically there's no real camera but the the sort of the animation talent um chris bailey uh who was the sort of you know the, the the genius behind it all and a guy that we really sort of 
were lucky enough to get, but really, you know, handpicked and respected. Really, just the people he, the team he put together, um, just made the show just really interesting at the time. And again, you know, something where when you go back and look at it, it was really different and yet easily very accessible. There was sort of a cartooniness, but a little bit of almost like a like a like a like a. A pile, I guess, like almost like a street art graffiti element to it, and it really popped. And there are, there again, you know, there have been other shows since then that kind of have looked like it. But at the time, we were the first to look like it. So again, I think there was a lot of, you know, I don't want to, you know, you hate to say groundbreaking, but I do think there was a lot of really interesting new stuff in the show, and it just, you know, again, just never really sort of got its shot. Um, but some of the ideas that we were talking about, we had a, we had an idea we always loved, which was we had this idea it was going to be sort of a night rider idea where uh um I can't, I'm trying to remember who got the car I think it was I think Dante or maybe they shared it but they were going to find like the old night rider car kit in like a junkyard <laughs> and kind of restore it and then Kit was going to sort of fall in love with Dante in kind of like a single white female kind of way. <laughs> That's funny. And so he was going to sort of like replace Dante and Randall wasn't going to really notice that there was a car behind the, uh, uh-huh. you know, working the register with him. Kind of a thing. Um, so that was one idea that we, you know, never quite got to that. That was a biggie. That was one we really, really liked. Um, there was sort of an overall concept that I think it was Jay and Bob were going to make a movie about two guys working in a convenience store, but it was not going to be called Clerks. It was going to be called like Convenience Store or something. It was going to become it was going to become a very big hit, and there was going to be sort of. I think that was part of the movie idea. I, I, you know, perhaps I shouldn't be giving away these treasures. And uh, <laughs> those were the kinds of ideas, though, that worked so well in the show. It's built for those kinds of like jaw-dropping ideas, where all of a sudden everything kind of changes, but you know they're going to end up back in you know the convenience yeah, that store. That was sort of our overall concept. Was always that one way or another, as crazy as it got, you'd end up just back in the convenience store by the end of the episode and almost rarely referencing sort of what happened, which was sort of a very fun thing. Um, And, you know, and definitely in a way that perhaps, you know, some shows, you know, because obviously like a show like The Simpsons keeps a certain reality base, you know, because at the end of the day, obviously crazy things happen to them in the world of uh, Springfield, obviously. But, you know, at some point they are a family and whatnot. And we definitely were like reaching more for, you know, a little bit of a little more craziness in a good way. Um, you know, I, we were there was a thing we had always joked about, where uh, I got I think it was going to be uh, I can't remember it got again. It's like uh, it's been eighteen years at this point. <laughs> no, I know this was again. I think this was one of the more this was one of the movie ideas, which was uh, well, one was one was going to be like it was going to be Die Hard at a movie theater showing Die Hard, where terrorists take over a movie theater during a Die Hard uh, screening. Um, that was, I'm not quite sure where that was going, but that was an idea I always wanted to do. Um, another one was Jay or Bob was going to get, it must have been Jay, was going to get killed and die. And then I don't remember the ha- I don't remember how or why he was going to die, but then Bob was going to cradle his body, and then in anger he was going to fly up in the air and turn the Earth's rotation backwards by sp- flying around the Earth, a la Superman and Lois Lane in the original Superman movie, and basically 
bring Jay back to life, and, you know, and again, and then just back to this, back to the store by the end. So, you know, these ideas, you know, to this day, they do make me laugh when I think about them. They're so, making you know, us that's laugh, not a bad too. Thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm salivating. I wish, I really wish we had those. Like, the, these six episodes just weren't enough for us. Well, you're very kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, since the show aired, it's, it's two episodes on ABC. A few years right. later, the DVD came out. It was actually also seen on Comedy Central. Comedy Central from time to time, I don't know what the deal was, but they would air like the six of them. But, yeah. you know, again, that's where, unfortunately, you know, Comedy Central is such a wonderful place. And obviously it gave, you know, new life to things like Futurama and whatnot. We just didn't have enough episodes. You know, you know I think if, you know, if we had somehow managed to have you know, made more episodes. I think, you know, it, there probably could have been much more of an afterlife on something like Comedy Central. Yeah, and do you feel like since the DVD, and like the DVD is very hard to find now, uh, it, it, you can't really get Clerks the Animated Series anywhere on streaming, but I still feel like so many people have seen it, so many people have enjoyed it. Have you felt any sort of long-term impact from Clerks since... It's uh, it's you know, airing. I'm, you know, it's funny, and uh, maybe this is, you know, some of my my lot in life. Um, I I also made a movie uh, back in like gosh, 2003, uh, called Euro Trip with a couple of my friends, and uh, you know, it's sort of like, and it was sort of also not much of a reception at the time. But when I now meet people that were 15 when that came out on DVD. You know, they really like Eurotrip, and the same thing is sort of true with uh, with the Clerks um, show, which is you know I'll meet younger comedy writers, and they watched it and really dug it, and that that makes me thrilled. I mean, that's just you know incredible. And usually, you know, I, I always joke once a year somebody sort of comes up to me and wants to talk about Clerks. I'm going to count this as the once a year uh, for 2000. <laughs> this yeah, is the 2018. This is, is going to count. But like I said, once a year somebody like you know, approaches me and all they want to talk about is clerks. And uh, of the twice a year, the tw- yeah, the twice a year that I'm recognized, once is about clerks. So it's like that, yeah. Um, no, but I mean, like, you know, when, when young comedy people or younger comedy people, like, you know, you know, come up to me and, you know, especially if they quote a specific joke or a concept or something, you know, that puts a smile on my face. Yeah, yeah we're, we're two of those guys. I think we were about no, 14 or 15 you. when... Uh, yeah. When this came out and when the DVD came out, I remember getting it. I had to get the DVDs on Netflix back when DVDs used to be delivered by Netflix. And so that was the first time I got to see all six episodes. I do wish, and I don't know, I don't know who or where, I do wish it was on streaming. I mean, I wish, you know, I wish I could just sort of make that happen. I cannot. But, yeah, uh, there's, I, yeah. I, I will admit to you that uh, the way that we actually saw this, somebody puts them up, put the whole thing up on YouTube. Gotcha. Uh, in yeah. chunks, so that's how we were able to I see have, it. I have no problem with that because I don't have a back end. So there you go. <laughs> uh, do you keep in touch with Kevin Smith at all recently, or uh, has it, have yeah, you not talked we to live, him? We, oddly enough, we live near each other. We actually used to live even closer, and I would see him sort of walking the dog and stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, I think I, I don't know when this is going to be on streaming, but obviously, uh, you know, he had a serious heart attack last week. And, uh, yeah. You know, I emailed him, you know, not instantly, but, you know, just to sort of check in. And I was very happy to see him sort of write back and make a joke. And that sort of put me at ease. But, you know, we run into each other. We, you know, you know, shoot the shit, pop, run into each other sometimes at a like a con- convention or something like that. Uh, 
you know, we, 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 I think we definitely both sort of wish, I mean, I can't speak for him. Maybe he doesn't wish, maybe he's avoiding me. Um, I, you know, I wish we sort of bumped into each other more. He's been really nice, like with things like, uh, you know, with Veep and stuff, he's a big Veep fan. And so, you know, I sent him the episodes before they aired and he would like have me on his podcast and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, quite fond of each other and certainly goddamn a lot of mutual respect. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, we don't want to take up too much more of your time, but we do end every episode Uh-oh. with the same uh-huh. question. Uh, and we, we look back at the whole series and we say to ourselves, does this show deserve a reboot, a second season, a movie, or should we just let it lie? Uh, and we'll tell you our answers, but uh, we'd love to hear yours. What do you think should happen next for Clerks the Animated Series? Well, I'm not sure anything's going to happen. but In uh, a perfect I mean, world, though. Right, right. You know, look, I, I, certainly a movie would be fun to do, but I'm a fan of the shorter length. You know what I mean? I do sometimes worry things overstay their welcome when they're, you know, that long, especially in comedy. So, you know, if somebody ever just said, like, hey, no pressure, make another, like, five or ten episodes, that would be the best thing in the world. And, you know, you could call it whatever you want. It's not really season two. It's not really a reboot. I just, like... You know, just more of the more of the same, as far as I'm concerned. That yeah. would be the that would to me would be great. In the world of Netflix now and and uh, other platforms like that, I think that's something that's entirely possible too. You know, you you'd think, and yet somehow it's never quite happened. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, as soon as we're in charge, we'll call you right. and we will uh, we'll order up a second season. Perfect. Well, I. Uh, David, thank you so much for, for David, offering your insight. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you guys so, so much. Uh, really enjoyed this. That's it for this episode. Thanks once again to our guest, David Mandel. For more, you can follow him on Twitter, at David H. Mandel. And be sure to look out for Season 7 of Veep coming to HBO in 2019. Join us next week for our in-depth look at all six episodes of Clerks the Animated Series. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GoneTooSoonPod, and don't forget to visit our website, GoneTooSoonPod.com. You can even send us an email to GoneTooSoonPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, I'm Drew. And I'm Kyle. As always, remember, they can cancel the shows, but they can't cancel the fans. Cancel the fans.